We're excited that stuff's about to break through in your life. Amen. Glory to God. Yeah, see that? Well, do we have an enemy? Does he like that? No. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, and he tries to do things to come against it. And that's what you've been experiencing part of this week. But it's just like what we talked about last week. Everybody, even Jesus, came up against situations. Let's call them that. That sounds real nice. Situations, right? Even Jesus, I mean, here he is spending... Don't you, don't you think that after Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying... Don't you think that maybe his flesh, see a lot of people don't think that Jesus had a flesh side to deal with, but you remember in the garden where he said, not my will, but yours be done. What does that tell us? He's dealing with the flesh. His flesh does not want to go to the cross. He had to have a flesh that he put down or else he's not the perfect example and perfect substitute. He just had that same flesh, but he did it right. He knows how to win. Praise God. Because I need his help. Well, here he is. He just goes out into the desert. You remember who led him out into the desert? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led him out to the desert. And the Holy Spirit led him out there to fast and pray. Oh, glory. <laughs> For 40 days. Hallelujah. Right? That's what his flesh was saying, don't you think? No. No, fast and pray. But have you ever given something to the Lord? How many people have really put in some work here in the last few days? Yeah, most everybody has. Over the last couple of months and leading up to this, there have been people that have put in some stuff. Well, Jesus is out there. He's got 40 days. I'm supposed to be doing announcements. We're preaching. We'll get, we might come back to announcements. But he's out there for 40 days. And he's fasting and praying. Ain't had nothing to eat. Nothing. Not a thing. I can tell you, that does not feel good to your flesh. And don't you feel like he thought, I deserve, you know, some of God right now. His flesh. Don't you think, don't you think about the time, don't, what happened at the end of the 40 days? He got hungry, and right when he's the hungriest, here comes the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in those situations before. And it's like, man, I've given my all. Uh-uh. I'm tired, you know. <laughs> I was thinking what Aaron used to say. He's back. So, yeah. Um, anyway, he says, uh, he says, I've had those situations where I've just given more given more than what I expected or what I wanted to give in the flesh. And then all of a sudden the devil shows up. All of a sudden, right when I've given my most, the devil shows up. And I don't know about you, but when I, I've had this a couple of times, it was a long time ago, I'm sure. But it was where I've been like, really, Lord, after what I've given to you, and now you're going to let him come, let him come and mess with me. Anybody ever felt like that besides me? Yeah. Don't you think Jesus, here he is, led by the Holy Ghost, go out into the wilderness. He couldn't go to his house. No, nah, no, nah, go to the wilderness, right? He, he's got to go out there. Can't eat. 
like, you know, I mean, John the Baptist, he's eating locust and honeycomb. Yeah, at least he could have had some of that. But no, he's got to go out there and fast. Now he's paid a price for Jesus. There's a cost that he's paid. He's paid the price. And on top of the 40 days of fasting and going out to the desert, at the end of it, the Lord allows the devil to show up. Really, God? After all I've done. That's, now, that's what our flesh says. But the reason the flesh says it is because the flesh is all messed up. <laughs> the flesh is messed up. It's corrupted, like all the way back from the garden. It's corrupted. I know y'all have never experienced that, but I've had to deal with this. I know, I know y'all haven't, but I have. And then all of a sudden we pay that price and the devil shows up. Like this week. Man, here's all this stuff. It's getting ready to be awesome in God. It's going to be great. And the devil done gone and showed up. Really, Lord? Now it's not the real. If you're born again, it says that your spirit is renewed. So it's not your spirit. It's not the real you that's saying that. But our flesh, even while we're born again, as long as we're on this earth, we have a flesh that, that carries with it the corruption from sin all the way back in the garden. And its thinking is all messed up. And so here comes the devil and our flesh like, I, I deserve better. No, what we deserve, actually, we don't want. What we deserved was a hell. We don't want that. We want what Jesus deserves, right? What Jesus deserves is what we want. We don't want what I deserve. But a lot of times, right when we paid the highest cost, the devil comes. Let, turn to John chapter 17 real quick. John chapter 17. And let's look at verse 15. Actually, let's start at verse 13. I'm playing with the sound booth, guys, here. Sorry. Sorry, Phyllis. John chapter 17, verse 13. Now, before we read any further, this is what I want to show you. It says this. Jesus goes on to say that he's praying. It shows that he's praying for his disciples. But then he goes on to say that he's not just praying for like the 12 disciples or the disciples that were physically there with Jesus. He says, I'm praying this. For everybody who will believe on me through their word. In other words, he's, he's praying for every believer at all, anywhere, anytime that will be a believer in Jesus. That will be saved. 
And I, he goes on, I think that's verse uh, uh, 20. Yeah, I do not ask for on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. So when he makes that statement, you are included in every prayer that's prayed there in basically John 15, 16, and 17. You're included in all of that because if you're born again, you're included. So here's the thing. Jesus, he's out in the wilderness. All of a sudden the devil comes up. Well, what happens to him? Does, do you see Jesus pouting about it? No. Do you see, what do you see Jesus doing? Does he know the answer, you know, that he's supposed to have? The devil comes, he tempts him with stuff. See, a lot of times what happens is when you paid a big price, then the devil comes or, and you know, the devil himself doesn't have to come, uh, in the flesh is the nature of the devil. And a lot of times it's just our flesh talking to us and we got to recognize what it is, right? And so all of, all of a sudden at that time, you know, your flesh says stuff like this, like you put out so much work already. You've already done this. You don't have to do, you, you deserve, they shouldn't talk to you like that. You, know, you don't have to go today. You don't have to do this. Mm, that's the flesh. That's the flesh. And Or I can't believe that you're coming under attack like that. You've gone to church. You have tried. You have tried. You've been working hard to do what's right. And it's just not working out. And so the flesh tempts us just like the devil tempted Jesus to step out of faith and back into the habits of the world. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah. And then so and it's like right when you think you should be receiving the best. Think about this with Jesus. He's the son of God. He just fasted and prayed and spent 40 days with the father. I'm expecting I'm thinking that he's thinking, man, big things are about to happen. And the devil shows up. What in the world? What in the world? I mean, has he paid a big price? Yeah. He's paid a huge price. And then the devil shows up. Our flesh rises up. Lord, I'm expecting big things. I had a, I had a time of fasting uh, last year, and it was an extended time of fasting. And honestly, I want, you know, just to, what happened was I started, and the very first day, you know, it was starting, I was hungry, you know, first day, it doesn't take long. And uh, then you go into day two, and all of a sudden, day two, man, I get this revelation. And it was awesome, right? And then I went for a good ways after that, right? And for the rest of the time that I was fasting, like a good ways past day two. And the rest of the time that I was fasting, it felt like... God wasn't even there. It felt like he wasn't even there. And, and my mind's going, Lord, here I am doing this. The least you can do is show up. The least you can do is like, let me feel your presence or something. The least you can do. Now, I thought that. I knew that wasn't true, but I thought it. And I had to deal with that thought. I had to deal with that temptation to let things go. And, and so what I did was I said this. I said, Lord, look, forgive that stupid thinking. That's fleshly thinking. I'm not doing this just for you to be here. I'm doing this because I love you and I want to walk in more of what you have for me. I want to walk in more.
I want to walk in more. So whether or not I feel your presence during this time doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because I love you. I believe that you are doing things, even during this time, you're doing things I can't even put my finger on. I don't know. I don't understand. I may not ever see them while I'm on this earth, but you're up to something. Because when I honor you, your word makes a promise. You will honor me. So I know you're honoring me. I might not know how. I might not know how it's coming about, but you're honoring me. Well, then I come to the end of the fast. And sure enough, all of a sudden, it's like, have you ever had that where you ever fixed a piece in your car that's been rattling for a really long time? And then all of a sudden it's not rattling anymore and it's not irritating you and bothering you like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. You know, the peace of God has come in my, in my car, you know, and you feel like that's the way I felt spiritually. Like I got to the end of that fast and I'm like, man, I feel different. Didn't feel it while I was fasting. But when I came out of it, I was like. I feel different. See, if I'd have gone with that thought, gone with that temptation to think that God wasn't up to anything, do you think I would have experienced everything that the Lord wanted? No, you've got to come up to the place where your flesh or the devil or a hardness comes and know that in the middle of that, just like Jesus in the storm, you're not there to let the storm affect you. You are there to affect the storm. So the devil wants to come up and he wants to tempt Jesus at the end of this 40 days. And all of a sudden he comes up to Jesus and Jesus, he's got to go to the father just like us. The devil tempts him. You know, he's like, hey, you're hungry. Make these stones bread. Jesus, I imagine he's like seeking his spirit. Lord, what do I say to this? I am hungry. I mean, there's some truth in that statement. I'm hungry. I want something to eat. It's time, you know, it's been 40 days, Lord, you know, and uh, he, I'm sure he's hungry, but he needs to hear. What does he need to hear? The word. <clears throat> he needs an alive word from God right there. And so right then the Holy Spirit brings scripture to him. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, my life is not in a piece of bread. My life is in your word. And the devil's like, oh, I, I, okay. And then he goes on and he tempts him again. And he tempts him with giving them the kingdoms. He tempts him with bowing down. And each time, scripture, Jesus senses the Holy Spirit leading him to scripture. And what's that scripture? It's life. And every time it's like... You know, it's like a boxer that's connecting. And then all of a sudden you smell, it's like the boxer, they'll smell blood. And it's like, oh, I've done tagged him two or three times. We're about to take him out, right? And so all of a sudden, here's, here it is. Jesus connects with the first one. He connects with the next one. And, you know, it's not really a battle because Jesus is connected to the Father. The devil t came up. He didn't fully know who Jesus was yet. He's still trying to figure it out. He's like, oh, man, that hurt. Oh, that hurt. And he gets hit by another piece of the word. He's like, I can't do anything. Jesus is like, get out of here. And what did Jesus do? He modeled exactly how we should contend with the devil and resist him. We hear from God and then we be obedient and speak those things out. And we receive the things of God. 
So a lot of times, now see, most people would look at it and because we're, we've been more flesh-centered, we look at the devil came to Jesus and he, and he tempted him at his weakest point and we kind of get upset that God let the devil come. But see, God let the devil come so that he could be beat. See, uh, you know, I think it was Joyce Meyer said this, how many people want to be an overcomer? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many people want to be an overcomer? Right? How many people want something to overcome? Now, wait a minute. If we're going to be an overcomer, if we're going to be more than a conqueror, there's got to be something conquered. That means we've got to become the people that God knows who, that we know who we are because God has made us to be seated in heavenly places with Jesus. In Ephesians 2, we are raised with Him and seated with Him. Not waiting on that to happen. That's already happened. Past tense. Seated. He's already done that. So all of a sudden we are raised and seated with Him and the devil comes. And then we're not looking at what does it look like. I deserve better because I've been giving myself to God. We look at it and we're like, awesome. Where's my gloves? Come on, let's put them on, right? Let, you know, um, and sometimes some people be like, where's my knife? You know, and it's, it's like, that's, we need to quit playing around with the devil. And you have to understand that those situations and those moments, they're not there to beat you down. They're there for you to beat them down. He says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says that you will not face something that you are not capable of winning in. If you take it in paraphrase it in context, it says, but here's the thing. It's not that you're so great. It's that Jesus is great and God is faithful. Jesus is great and God is faithful. And so all of a sudden we step into a situation and it does not feel good to our flesh. But we got to say, no, nah, Jesus is great. God is faithful and resist the devil and he'll flee. Get out of here. Get. So many times we're not sent in the wilderness to teach you something. Or to, or to, or to, you know, teach you how to be humble. No, 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 no. He's always, 2 Corinthians 2.14, He's always leading you to triumph. Now, triumph may be becoming more humble. It absolutely is. But the wilderness is not there necessarily to teach you humility. The wilderness is there so that you can bring the triumph of God, bring the life of God. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Basically bring lack in every situation. But Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and have it in abundance. It means till it's full, till it overflows. And so we go into a wilderness bringing life with us. If you are a believer, if you know Jesus, you can bring life with you. And so all of a sudden you face situations and you're not upset because, why God am I facing this? I've done so much for you. You don't do that. You go, glory to God. Look at the situation I get to watch Jesus win through me in. And that is available for every person. Amen. Look right here. John 
chapter 17, talking to every believer in verse 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. They may have my joy made full in themselves. Now, first question I want to ask you is, what does joy made full in you look like? You know what I think it doesn't look like? A bunch of religious stiffs sitting in pews with a sour face on. We're talking about life now. I'm talking about some joy. We're talking about, we're supposed to, you know, the word says this, over, I think it's over in Peter where it says that you're supposed to be able to give an account for the hope that is within you. That means somebody sees something in you that they want and they're asking you, what do you have that for? So, see, if we feel like, oh, I've done such great things for you, God, I deserve better. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a wilderness, in a storm like Jesus on there. Hey, I'm sleeping. I've been preaching your word. Now, all of a sudden, I try to rest in a boat to go to the other side like you told me. And a deadly storm comes up again. Same situation. Same scenario. Just different places, different times. Jesus' flesh, you know, and the disciples for sure. We deserve better. We don't want to die. Jesus is like, what is wrong with y'all? You are not here to let the storm dictate to you. You are here to dictate to the storm. Start thinking like an overcomer. Think like more than a conqueror. Think like a victorious, triumphant person. Greater is he who's in you than he's in the world. Forget about that. Move on it instead of it moving on you. And so a lot of times if you're you know, religious, then you're like, oh, I deserve better. And this is what you look like to the world. Big old sad face. That's not bringing hope to the world, believe it or not. I'm here to pronounce it and declare it. That, that, the world is not pulling any hope off of that. You know what the world's doing? Laughing at that. The world laughs at that. They're supposed to have Jesus. They're more beat up than we are. But see, when somebody knows who they are in Christ, all of a sudden they know what to do with the wilderness. They know what to do with the storm. They know what to do with the temptation. What happens? All of a sudden they come into the wilderness and the storm. It's like, <laughs> it's about to be fun. It's going to be good. Why is it going to be good? Because the devil's going to get me down. God's going to be glorified. And in the end, we're all going to be smiling. And he ain't. And who's that available to? To the pastor? Everybody. Anyone who wants it. All you have to do is become a child of God and start growing in the knowledge of him. He said he wants to manifest the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. And it's, look, it's not a bitter aroma. It's a sweet aroma. Put that up real quick, please. Second Corinthians 2.14. It's the sweet aroma. The sweet, God defined it as the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. The sweet aroma. The sweet aroma. So if you're not walking in a sweet aroma of God's love manifested, then it's an indicator that we're not walking the way we should. It's a sweet aroma. Amen. Tell me when it's up there. 
He says, but thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma. 2 Corinthians 2.14 The sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. How many places? Every. Every. See, these verses a lot of times are not not, not there to make you feel bad because you're not walking in them. It's to show you that they're available for you to walk in them. A lot of people will take condemnation when they hear preaching like this. That's not what it's there for at all. It's to show you there's more. There's a hope. It's greater than what you're feeling. There's a hope. There's a hope. All of a sudden you start walking in that hope and walking in that joy. What happens? People go, I want some of that. I want some of that. But see, if you're not walking in this, what does the world want in us? Not a thing. They'd be better following the world according to those standards. The sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. So it's available to anybody. They just accept Jesus. And then all of a sudden they start growing in their knowledge of him. They get into a church that's actually teaching the principles of the kingdom of God. Talking about his love and our our responsibility to walk in uh, the faithfulness of a child. And all of a sudden they can walk in that too. I've watched it now for years. We've watched it. People come in. They'll start applying those things. And man, it'll start increasing. It'll start increasing. They're Business starts to go up. Their health starts to improve. They start winning more people to the Lord. They start praying for people and something happens. It's not just like, well, maybe it will, maybe it won't. No, it, there's a hope in Jesus. But we got, to, we got to walk it out. But we can't get distracted and we can't get beat down because we've been doing stuff hard and trying and all of a sudden the test comes or the trial comes. It's not how it works. It works because when the test comes, when the temptation comes, we know who we are and we stand up to it. And we're happy about it because we already know the outcome. How many times is he leading us to triumph? Every time. Every time. So here in John 17, 13, he says, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. See, when they get the word of God in truth operating in them, the world does not like it. And a lot of times when people hear this preaching, one of the things in this teaching, what happens is they, they're faced with a choice. Should I humble myself and grow to that level or I don't like what he's saying? And what that's an indicator of a lot of times is, I'm just bold enough to say it is, you got more of the world in you than what you think. If you're sitting there going, I don't like that. Well, I'm not the one saying it. I'm just reading you scripture. You see, and all of a sudden we got to say, amen, thank goodness I was reading scripture and not giving opinion. You got you got to understand that we either humble ourselves to the word word or the world will humble us to it. Come on, man. And that's what's been happening in the church. I'm looking for some people that's just willing to say, I ain't walking that way anymore. That's what the world needs. People that come up to that and all of a sudden they don't get uh, 
turned away or, or off because of a challenge. The challenge comes and they, they actually come alive. And people do that when they know who they are. Have you ever, anybody ever seen a fighter that enjoyed fighting? Anybody ever seen a fighter that enjoyed fighting? And it's like they're just, they're just moving along and then all of a sudden a fight comes up. Whoo, don't, that kind of person, they have a resolve. You don't want to mess with that person. Resolve will win every time. They like fighting. Well, we need to be that way with the devil. We need to be gentle in the spirit. But when it comes to the devil, we're aggressive. Resist him. Beat him back for some other people. Oh, you're not feeling like it today? That's all right. Step out of the way. I'll take care of this. Right? Grow in a... It's okay. It's okay. I'm looking for some people that got some grit. Jesus was too. He didn't just go to the shabby folks. He went to those fishermen. They rough. Come on, man. <laughs> My grandfather used to say, they're rough, tough, and about half wild. He probably had other stuff that he said, too, that I can't repeat. But I could say that one <laughs> before he got saved. Verse 15, watch this. Who's praying this? Who's he praying for? Say me. If you're a believer, it's you. Who's praying? Who's he praying for? It's Jesus praying. Let me ask you this. Did Jesus, when he prayed, because he's praying to the Father for his disciples, everyone that would ever believe on him by his word, when he prayed, did he get his prayers answered? Did he pray in faith? So is what we're about to read done? Is it accomplished? Now, does that mean that you walk in it? No. Just like, is salvation done? Does everybody walk in it? No, they have to receive it by faith and they have to, faith without works is dead. In other words, if they really truly believe it in their heart, they'll start putting action to it, right? Well, it's the same thing with this. So he prayed, this is done. It's there for the taking. Let me put it like this. It's in the spiritual bank account. It's waiting on somebody to take a deposit out. Now let's read it. Lord, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. In other words, I'm not asking you to take them out of the corruption, out of the mess. But while they're in the mess, keep them. We're a kept people. See, God's plan is never to take you out of the mess. The mission is to put you right in the middle of the mess because you know who you are and you know what you're called to do. You know who you are and you know what you're called to do. What are you called to do? Look here at verse 18. How was, what was Jesus called to do? Well, over in 1 John 3, 8, it says Jesus was manifested for this reason, to destroy the works of the devil. He was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. 
It also says in uh, Luke 4, 18, that Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. And it said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, bring deliverance to the captives, open the blind eyes. In other words, he, his mission was to destroy the works of the devil by walking in an anointing. So here we go to verse 18, and he says this, Father, who's he talking? Who's he praying to? God, who's he praying about? Say me. And he says this, Father, as you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. So what's your mission? The same mission of Jesus. You are now the hands and the feet. You're the salt. You're the light. You're the preservant. You are the light that shows up and makes the darkness run. You're the one who ends up in the middle of the storm and causes peace to come to it. You're the one who ends up in a wilderness and brings life to it. You're the one now that's almost looking for those things because you know who you are in Christ. And all of a sudden, something pops up and you go, whoo, it's about to get real now, boys. We're going to see God move. Not because I'm great, because he's great, Jesus is great, and God is faithful. Yeah. Amen. Who's that available to? Me. Say me. me. Amen? Amen. Allowed it? Amen. Okay, just checking. <laughs> so a lot of times when we pay the price, that's the time when the devil sends something. And he tries to beat you down. You just got to flip the script on him. And beat him down. Oh, this is not how it's supposed to go. Uh, this is not the way it's going to go. You've been trying, devil. You've been trying for years and years and years. How many of y'all have ever been bullied by the devil? Raise your hand now. You've ever been bullied by the devil. I'm telling you that time is over if you will receive this word. That time is over in your life. All of a sudden you say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, wait a minute. I got a big brother. I can go into this, go to the playground and bring big brother with me. Yes. Yes. Well, let's get to it. That bully didn't need to be there anyway. It's about time for him to leave. But he needs somebody that will agree with him and start being sent like he was sent. How many people, just bow your heads real quick. How many people honestly would say, I don't even, you, you can say, I believe you, or you can say, I don't even know if that's true, but whether it's true or not, what you're describing, I truly want to walk in that. Raise your hand and just hold it up. Let me see it. I want to walk in that. That's pretty much everybody. And what's holding us back? We either haven't known it or we haven't decided that the cost and the price is worth it. It's one or the other. Well, now you know it. So it's not that from here on out. The decision is with you. Lord, let me, let me stop looking at places of Temptation as a defeated place. But let me move into the fullness of what you've called me to be. I'm not talking about a pastor. I'm talking about a Christian. 
Let me move into the fullness of what you've called me to be. Just say this with me. Just say, Father, I want to be who you've called me to be. Open my eyes, Lord. According to your word, open my eyes of understanding. Let me see what you want me to see. Let every deception be removed. Let me see who I am. And let me walk in it. And Lord, as I see what is your will. And what isn't your will. I ask that you'll strengthen me. With all your might. Strengthen me. To walk out your will perfectly. In Jesus' name. Just keep your head bowed. You know, the beginning of this is, is simply this. You can't walk in what we talked about without knowing him. You can't walk with, in what we talked about. You can't walk in that victorious life without knowing Jesus. You need him. And let me tell you this. He wants you. He wants you so much. He wants you so much that he died for you. He took all your mess, put it on his shoulders, and said, I'll carry it. I'll carry it. That's a loving father and a loving savior. The key to walking in a victorious life is having an intimate fellowship with him. And that starts... With knowing Jesus. And even if you know him. Renewing that relationship. I just. You know everybody's got their head bowed. And I just. If, if you're sitting there today. And you're just saying. You know what. I know. My fellowship with Jesus. Needs to go up a notch. Who's bold enough to raise their hand. And let me know that. Keep it up for just a second. That's so good. So good. Anybody else. I know I need more with him. And just pray this. I, I, the Lord will say this. I believe, I believe this with all my heart. If you get serious with God, he will get serious with you. Amen. All of a sudden, he'll show up in your life in ways that are hard to even explain with words. It'll be so great and so powerful. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. He's not a respecter person. And I can promise you, we have seen him show, show up so great. And so right now, everybody, not, not just the people that raise your hand, but everybody, just pray this. Just pray, Jesus, Jesus today, today, you are the Lord of my life. That means you're the director. You call the shots, and I'm obedient. I walk it out. I believe that you took my sin on you. I believe that you died for me. And that God brought you back to life. For me. And when he raised you up. He raised me up. And he seated me. With you. In heavenly places. I'm not fighting anymore. From the, world, from the world, I'm fighting from him. I'm fighting from him. 
Amen. Amen.